The Truth News Network. When the leader of the free world is better at backing up than he is at looking forward. When the courts won't hear the truth. When a sitting congressperson openly calls for violence. Where do you turn for clarity? You turn to the truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. You know what the greatest travesty in what you just heard from Pete Moss in that introduction? What the greatest one is? He felt it was incumbent upon him to use the term congressperson instead of congressman or congresswoman. Congressperson. That's the world in which we find ourselves in. You and I live in nonstop, never-changing conundrums. Well, they change, but they only change when whoever is in charge, you know, the political social media gods determine what's okay to say and what you can't say. Just another day in paradise, folks. (laughs) It's election day in Virginia and in New Jersey, other places around the country. Two big gubernatorial races. Chris Murphy under siege as a Democrat governor of New Jersey. He's running for re-election. And then not far away in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, a two-time former governor in um, Virginia, a Democrat, a staple in the Democrat Party administration through decades. He is uh, struggling to get back in the Virginia House as governor because a new upstart, a Republican, Glenn Youngkin, has uh, really taken the state by storm. And even though they say they're in a deadlock right now by based on polling, unless there's monkey business that happens in the Virginia election, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, you know, the big lie thing. <laughs> Unless they manipulate that election, they being whoever they are, I have no clue. All I know is we don't want a November 2nd, 2020 election meddling happening in either of these two states or any any place in any election any longer. Let's keep them fair. Let's keep them honest. Let's keep elections, novel idea, the choices of the registered voters in whatever state or district that they live in, where the elections are being held. Let's just do this thing. Let this continue to be government of, government by, and government for the people. Well, how are you doing? Did you stay up last night? Did you watch overnight to make sure you saw breathlessly hanging on every word of our president overseas in Scotland? You know, probably the only person on earth that doesn't know where Joe Biden is, that he's in Scotland right now, is Joe Biden. (laughs) He hasn't, most of the time, he hasn't a clue where he is or what he's doing or who he's with or what he's supposed to say or not say. You got to laugh or you're going to cry, folks. It's a shame that our, the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, is suffering through very, very obvious cognitive decline. And it's sad, but you know what? Millions of Americans go through this every year. It's almost like it's become a staple of life. You, um, When does life begin? When do you start dying? That's a big question. 
Some people think, oh, you can put a time limit out there. It's about age 40, 45, whatever. But I guess technically, the moment you're born, you begin to die. Think about that. Well, you're just a little baby. But the clock starts ticking on when you're going to die the second you're born. Oh, my gosh. Who wants to think about that today, huh? (laughs) Well, let's look around the nation a little bit and see what most Americans think about what's going on. Did you know that more than two-thirds of us think the economy is in poor condition? Nearly half of us think it'll get worse over the next year. What a great way to start. What a positive way to start the day, huh? Well, that's what Americans feel. After holding steady but consistently negative throughout the spring and summer, our opinion, the public's opinion of the U.S. economy, saw a dramatic downturn last month. Associated Press did a poll along with the NRC, Center for Public Affairs. 54% said the economy was poor. 45% said it was good. In October, things changed, folks. Saying that the economy is poor jumped to 65% from 54% the previous month. Both Democrats and Republicans turned sharply to the negative. 55% of Democrats think the economy is doing well. That's down from 63% just a month ago. And while the GOP voters have held a negative view of the national economy since Biden was inaugurated, in this latest poll, Just 15% described the economy as good. Half, half, folks, of the September number. 47% of us expect the economy to worsen over the next year. Just 30% expect it to improve. Just 10% of Republicans expect improvement, even among Democrats. Just at half, 51% expect it to improve. It just boils down to this. Uh, Old Serpent Head. Oh my gosh, you remember him. Married to Mary Madeline. Louisiana native. Back when um, Bill Clinton was running for his second term in office, it seems like it was, oh my gosh, a hundred years ago. He made the statement when they were talking about, if you remember... Going into his second term, all of the rumors about the president, President Clinton's sexual misconduct was all over the news, and he was facing what many thought would be impeachment and removal from office, even if he was reelected. Well, he was reelected, and he was impeached, but he was not removed from office. And so during that contentious second term run, the campaign, Serpent Head famously quipped, The only thing Americans think about is money. And his famous line was, it's the economy, stupid. That's all that matters. I'm not going to say that's all that matters to Americans today because it's not. But folks, we live and how we, excuse me, how we live is directly related to how we're living at the time. In other words, It takes dollars and cents to live in any place on earth. And you get accustomed and you have a budget, you have expenses. Most of it, thank goodness, is the same and it just goes from month to month, year to year. 
Yeah, expenses go up, but typically our income goes up in a proportionate basis. Not happening right now. That is the reason that more and more Americans are deciding and determining economy's not good and it's not going to get any better. Why would they say that? Why would Americans feel that way? And the answer to that question is very obvious. We're living in it. Day to day across the nation, every American is living in the today. And folks, the today, just since January 20th, every day has gotten a little bit worse economically, a little bit worse economically. And we don't see any real leadership on that front. In fact, We got a bunch of promises during the campaign. We got all kinds of predictions of all the good things Biden was going to do. He told us he was going to fix this. He was going to fix that. He was going to rip up the bad that Donald Trump did in his four years as president. He was going to take us back to the utopian world that we, we all lived in during the eight years of Biden and Obama. You remember all of those promises? remember what's going on now? You know why it's going on? They blame everyone else for everything. This administration takes responsibility for nothing. The closest Joe Biden, our president, has come to taking responsibility for anything is when he's speaking publicly about the major things and about his administration. His famous quote, the buck stops here. And of course, what that references is the guy who's speaking, the guy who's in charge, he's responsible for it all. If you're looking to place blame, blame it on that guy. The buck stops there. But of course, Joe Biden doesn't think things are bad or he doesn't want to admit things are getting worse, slipping. The economy is sliding. It's not slipping anymore. It's cratering. It's falling apart before our very eyes. And it was in such amazing shape. Even in the midst of a pandemic, when Donald Trump was president. Now, what's the fundamental difference between Trump and Biden? I mean, let's just be honest about it. They both have speckled past. One of them has speckled past in the corporate world. The other, a very speckled past in the political world. They've lived very public lives, each of them, about the same age not nearly in the same physical or mental condition, but the big difference between the two is Joe Biden is a politician. Donald Trump is not. Now, why why is one of those positions to be in better or worse than the other? Simply this, folks. The 330-plus million people in America that whoever the president is, Those 330 million people, they're all being led. They're all being given opportunities, told what to do, legislation, all that kind of stuff. And those things directly impact each of the 336 or 37 million of us. With the exception of the 535 members of the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate combined. That's called the legislature, all of those in the administrative branch and all of those in the judiciary branch, and then the Washington bureaucrats that are very, very involved 
in the legislative process, which means the structure of our nation politically. The other guy, Donald Trump, he comes from our side of this whole thing. We're not politicians. He wasn't either. He was a businessman. He knew what it was like to buy a company, try to make it work. He knew what it was like when what he tried to do in the corporate world didn't work, and he lost money. He knew what it meant every other Friday when you got to go make a payroll, and when you look at the bank balance, there's not enough there to write the checks to all of your employees. So what do you do? You either pull it out of your own pocket or you go borrow the money and hope that you're going to be able to, next pay period, have made enough money not only to make payroll that time, but to pay back what you borrowed or took out of your own pocket to pay payroll last time. In other words, folks, as sharp and pointed as arrogant-seeming and as nasty mouth as was and is Donald Trump, his lifestyle, the things that he said about everyday life when he was campaigning and then as president, resonates with far more people of the 337 million of us that are out there trying to figure it out than does any of the words of this president or any other politician that has done that professionally and is all they know professionally is how to be a politician. That's probably why when you look at the landscape of the way Americans look at the professions and the people that are in the professions across our nation, why politicians are considered to be in the lowest level of trust, of, hey, I want to be that when I grow up, of any other profession in the United States. Formerly, our politicians were really looked at with endearment, with respect, with love. Why? Because they represented us. They all went to either the state houses, if they were elected locally or at the state level, or they went to Washington, D.C. They went there to represent the people who elected them. That's the big difference between this president and the previous president. Lots of platitudes, lots of promises. Biden gets none of them done so far. None of them that have been good. Oh, he did cancel that XL pipeline permit the day he was inaugurated. He promised to do that. He's paid back all of the social uh, big guys and big girls that he owes favors to. He's paid every one of them back. He's kept his word there. But to you and me, average American, uh uh-uh. And he's still in the process of fulfilling all of his promises to those who elected him. Pretty much the far left. Defund the police. Tax and spend. Talk down to the American people. Threaten the American people. Lock us down. Threaten us with vaccinations. Vaccinations with three different medications that nobody's coming clean and telling Americans what's really in them. Meanwhile, we're watching as people are dying. People are becoming disabled 
because we trusted the Joe Biden administration when it comes to these vaccinations. As of Friday a week ago, 17,619 Americans are dead from the vaccines. And the CDC themselves tell us, though they're the ones that reported this number, 17,619, in their VAERS COVID vaccine adverse events report, they do it every Friday, and we bring them to you here the following Tuesday every week, that the 17,000 number is only a fraction of the true numbers that have died. Why? Because every coroner across the United States doesn't report to the CDC these adverse reaction deaths from these vaccinations. I think worse than that. 86,542 Americans have been hospitalized. Not because of COVID, because of their vaccination. 94,000 have gone to urgent care. 130,000 others, doctor office visits. And then there's the nasty stuff that's happened to people. 2,712 miscarriages. Almost 9,000 heart attacks. 27,277 Americans permanently disabled. And yet Joe Biden, all the far-left sycophants, and I'm sad to say, even some conservatives are beating the drum. you got to get vaxxed. you got to get vaxxed. And if you think... If you think there is nothing big looming on the horizon for us, let me get you to face a little bit of reality. You need to read today's Truth News Network story at truthnewsnet.org. What is it, Dan? Our partner in this thing, Kelly Nelson. She's one of our, our best guest contributors. She gave us part one of a two-part series today. And the title of it is The Gathering Storm and Its Historic President. There is one thing that is certain about a storm and precedent. When you look at something bad that's about to happen, and you look back in your history, in your past, or the past of the nation, and the circumstances line up with some things from the past, You know, if this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens, then the result is going to be this. Kelly reconstructs that exact thing, complete with all of the historical information, hyperlinks so you can go look at her references, and she paints the picture. Let me just cut to the chase. I want you to read the story, especially because it's part one. I Hopefully, we will be able to publish part two of this story before the week's up. It's quite a job to do such historical investigation and preparation and then to write a story like this. So it takes a little time. But here's the big thing you need to understand. What you're looking at and thinking might be in the process of happening here, it's happened before. This is not a first. When you look at Washington, D.C. and see how the government, our government is treating average Americans, middle Americans, whatever you want to do, conservatives principally, just because they control all the rulemaking. They have the White House, the Senate, and the House of Representatives, so we pretty much don't have any option. 
We just have to let them do their thing and hope that there'll be some honesty that we'll get enough of them to say, you know what, I'm not going to vote that way because it's not the right thing to do. But if you look back in our history in the U.S., and if you look back at where we came, our forefathers came from, what we're living through right now has happened over and over and again throughout history. This is nothing new, but it is happening. Make no mistake. Don't think that something ominous can be happening right now before your very eyes, because it is. And the results are similar results of the way this has happened throughout our history and throughout world history. It, it's, it's imminent unless certain things are changed. Fortunately for you and I, throughout American history, or at least contemporary American history, we've been able to make decisions, make choices, make changes sufficient to keep these dramatic things from happening. I'm not so sure we're going to be that fortunate this time. I'm not, I'm not Mr. Gloom and Doom. Don't think that at all. But when you look at something, let's say an animal, and it quacks and it waddles, it's always a duck. And folks, what I'm looking at right now on the landscape of the America and in the context of what's happening around the world Something's quacking, and it's waddling, and it's a duck. And so you expect one thing because you've seen it happen before. And you know that in the lead-up to that, you watched what happened then. Hmm. That's what's happening now in many cases. Don't be fearful. Just open your eyes. Be objective. And consider both sides of everything. Don't just benignly accept anything that anybody tells you as fact just because of who tells you. You don't have to diminish or demean them. You know, we all have opinions. And in many cases, I would think in most cases, we're inaccurate, at least in part. Consider what you hear. Glean from what specifics you're told those things that you can find out for yourself are really truthful. And then throw the others out on the trash heap. Deal with what you get comfortable with after you give an honest look-see and you've determined it's, it's right, it's good, it's correct. Live with those and don't dive into the fear. No good comes from that absolutely no good. Well, thank you so much for joining us here at Truth News Network, TNN Live. We enjoy being with you for these everyday shows. Maybe some changes in the near future. More about that later. We won't get into it. But uh, if we make any changes as we make them, I promise you they're going to be changes that we believe is better for you and better for the show and better for Truth News Network. We don't know everything here, but we try. We're not doing most of what we do now the same way we did here three years ago. We've taken it up a notch or two or three or four. And I think God's got something, uh, I don't want to say bigger and better. I want to say better because with practice, you learn new things. You learn to do old things better 
and you improve in product and service and everything. Those kind of things are going on here. And we certainly don't think we know it all. And we listen. I get a lot of input from a lot of people that are my peers. And I listen to every one of them. I don't diminish them at all because I don't know everything. You know, I, 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 I don't think as I got old, um, I forgot a lot of things. I don't think that's the case whatsoever. I think that as I aged, I realized that I didn't know everything. And so I looked at things a little more objectively the older I got rather than just grabbing a hold of my opinion and saying, I'm right, you're wrong. You know what I mean. And so I just want to say, so far where we've been here at TNN Life, thank you for being a part of it. We wouldn't do it. We couldn't do it without your participation and your support. So what else is happening that you need to know about? Well, did you know this one's going to, I mean, you've never given this a thought. You know who Jason Johnson is? He's an MSNBC analyst. And uh, you may not know this, but MSNBC has a show, and its title is Deadline. And Jason is a analyst on that show, Deadline. Guess what he said yesterday? He said that the rioters on January 6th at the Capitol are being treated with kid gloves. And you want to know why? They're treated with kid gloves only because they are not black. Here's what he said, quote, It shouldn't all be on the January 6th commission. It should also be on the Department of Justice. Why isn't Merrick Garland screaming, being this every day? The president's screaming about it every day. And what's he talking about? Well, he continued, This is also why Biden's numbers are where they are. Those who voted for him, Those who believe in democracy in this country, including people who didn't vote for Biden but are not insurrectional terrorists, they felt like they got punched in the face on January 6th. They saw the whole country get attacked. They want a president who is going to fight back. They want a president who talks about these terrorists the same way we heard Bill Clinton and George Bush talk terrorism for 20 years. They want to hear this about these people. It seems like they're being treated with kid gloves in a lone committee that has limited power that's hamstrung by basically a bunch of Benedict Arnold on the Republican Party is not going to be enough to keep us safe. I'm not through with what he said. I'm not going to comment until we finish. Here's what he added. I swear, I don't hear anybody getting that concerned about constitutional rights when they're knocking black people's heads up against the wall for fighting for rights and justice, right? Let's be clear about why our law enforcement doesn't get as serious about this as they have for people who were protesting all last summer. There is no chance in heck if the demographics of that crowd wasn't composed of a lot of former military and law enforcement people and a lot of non-black people that this would have happened the way it did. They need to be just as passionate about defending this country against people who look like them as they were against people who were fighting for the soul of this country, who were fighting last summer. Okay, Jason, I'm just going to comment a little bit about this. Last summer, last summer, you kept talking about last summer. There were thousands, there were tens of thousands of rioters around the nation, and there were billions of dollars 
of the destruction of public property, also private property. Dozens and dozens of dozens of businesses were closed. Dozens of people were killed. And yes, a lot of those people involved in those riots around the nation, like Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland and Chicago and Rochester, New York and Manhattan and Atlanta, Georgia and Philadelphia and Baltimore, a lot of those people were black. But you know what, Jason? I haven't heard the names of maybe just a handful of people that were even prosecuted, arrested for any of that. Six hundred of the quote-unquote who you call terrorist, 600 so far have been arrested for the January 6th insurrection that happened at the Capitol. 600. There weren't a hundred arrested last summer of the people involved in real rioting and pillaging and burning and destruction and killing over last summer. I don't know where you get your information or if you're just too stupid to listen and understand what you're saying and find the real numbers that either back up or denigrate what position you've taken. And by the way, while you're doing that, why don't you learn the definition of terrorist? There were no people shot on January 6th. Not one. Oh yeah, there was one. One got shot. And it wasn't a insurrectional terrorist as you turned uh, as you deemed him. It was a Capitol Police man. Yeah, it was a man who shot a woman from behind. Ashley Babbitt, who was in the Capitol unarmed Now, wait a minute, right there's the conundrum about it. You never, you're taught as a law enforcement officer, doesn't matter what your skin color is, Jason, and this guy was black, the one that shot Ashley Babbitt. You never even point a gun, if you're in law enforcement, at anybody unless you're under the threat, an imminent threat of bodily harm. Ashley Babbitt wasn't armed. She wasn't even looking at him. He was behind her. She didn't have anything in her hand. She was trying to climb through a broken barrier. And he shot her in the back on the left side of her neck, hit an artery, and she bled out and died on the floor. It was so egregious. The coroner, who is a diehard Democrat in Washington, D.C., when they did the autopsy, cause of death, murder, homicide. Nothing happened to the officer. Nothing. He's still on the force. Those people were not and are not terrorists. Terrorists kill people. Terrorists knock down major buildings and the destruction over and over and over again. Slaughtering people primarily is what terrorists do. This this guy... Jason Johnson is the reason why so many people distrust 
the mainstream media, if you can call MSNBC part of the mainstream anything other than hardcore leftist sycophants, the mouthpieces of the far left in the Democrat Party. And by the way, that's why nobody watches MSNBC and CNN. You combine their numbers, they don't even equal just one of the evening shows on their fellow cable news network that happens to be conservative Fox News. And I'm not a Fox News sycophant. I'm not in the tank. I disagree with much of what is said there and who does what. I really do. I always have. But as far as getting close to the political perspective that I have, they come the closest. Maybe Maybe Newsmax, but Newsmax is trying to find their way now and they got to make money to do it. When that happens, unfortunately, news entities have got to change some of the things they do and stop doing and some of the things they're doing and saying. I get that. I get all that. But folks, when you hear a guy preach these two paragraphs and what he says is so full of Inaccurate information, and I'm being kind when I say it's inaccurate information. It's full of nothing but political drivel. That's all this is. And I'm sad to say he's an African-American, Jason Johnson, and he's denigrating his own race by playing the race card here. When, I got to be honest with you, I watched what happened as an example in Chicago, the Miracle Mile. I've been on that place, that part of downtown Chicago on the on the lakefront. And it's full of these designer stores and jewelry stores and all that kind of stuff. And I saw what was happening that night. And it was African-American people almost in total that stormed those stores and jewelry stores, broke in and stole millions of dollars worth of things, set them on fire, And they weren't held accountable. Nobody for breaking the law in Chicago gets held accountable. There are murders there every weekend. Dozens of people are shot every weekend. Almost every one of them, the shooter and the victims, are African American. So let me ask you this. Jason, is the person that's running down the street in Chicago, and they're in a gang war, and they're shooting indiscriminately at people that they can't even see, and somebody gets shot and killed. Are those people insurrectional terrorists? Are they just plain terrorists? Are they just plain Americans that are disgusted and they're pushing back? That would be the line you would take. But guess what, Mr. Johnson? The rule of law applies to everybody, not just of a certain skin color, a certain ethnicity, and a certain political ilk. We're all obliged to honor the laws of our land. And anybody, and when I say anybody, and I mean anybody, including um, a former president of the United States and this president of the United States, and even the one that served before him, nobody's above the law. Barack Obama instructed his attorney general, and they did for eight years. They just ignored certain federal laws. The president told the attorney general, Eric Holder, don't don't enforce these laws. Joe Biden's doing the same thing. Isn't that insurrectional? 
Isn't that suborning illegal criminal activity? Yeah, by definition, that's exactly what it is. But everybody on the left gives all of these people a pass. And Joe Biden's even talking about giving them $450,000 each if they came across our border in a criminal fashion, which 2 million have so far this year. Their being here is criminal. But in the case of in the previous four years under Donald Trump, some of them were separated. Their family members were separated for a time. Joe wants to reward them, reward them for their criminal activity and give them each $450,000 for the grievous emotional issues that the American government under Donald Trump put on them. And they wonder why people on the right are upset. They wonder why there is so much angst in the marketplace of ideas. It's because so many things from the left are being kept quiet or kept covered up. Nobody needs to know about them. Oh, we'll tell you if it's something important. But until then, don't even listen to what other people are saying. Listen to people like, Jason Johnson. He's got it going on. Does that nauseate you? It does me. This is insanity, folks. It's absolutely insane. The Facts. Nothing But with Dan Newman and you. Monday through Friday, TNN, the Truth News Network. For over 75 years, people have saved money with... uh, Sorry. Here we go from the top and action. For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko. So Cut it. What? What did I say? Gecko. I said Gecko. Oh. For over 75 years. <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good. I'm good. <clears throat> For over 70. <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh. Geico. Saving people money for over 75 years. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. See. The bold new expression of sporty style. Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque. And experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more, and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. So here's the deal, folks. The far left. uh, Yeah, it's the really far left. I'm not talking about quote-unquote moderates in the middle of uh, the Democrat Party. I'm talking about the far left. And without naming names, you know who I'm referencing. Um, 
they really either don't understand or they just summarily reject to accept the facts about what specific things are happening in the United States in places other than the Potomac Valley around Washington, D.C. And they just lock in on what they think and forget about. They just wipe out anybody else's opinions and thoughts and just label everybody who disagrees with them as being an idiot, being a redneck, being a white supremacist, or even worse, being a Donald Trump supporter. I think maybe it's because they they feel like it's easier for them to just lump everybody that disagrees with them into one pile and put them in Hillary Clinton's basket of deplorables. You remember that one? Boy, that set the world on fire when that slipped out of that private meeting, and she did that. At least half, she said, of Trump supporters could all fit into a basket of deplorables. That's, That's sadly the way they look at us. And when you, when you put people in a, in a box, if you lock them into an, a, a specific place, it's, it, it's kind of like this. I've said this all the time by way of explanation. Technically, if you, if, you, if you tell a dog over and over and over again it's a chicken, and here's how chickens are supposed to act, eventually he'll start cackling like a chicken. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a reach, and I get that. But you know what I'm saying. Sometimes people just have enough of it and say, okay, if you think I'm this kind of person, I'm going to act like that and just act out the part. What's Joe Biden all about? Do you know Joe Biden has a big lie in his political career? <laughs> you want to hear a little bit about it? Not from me, but from a former compadre of Joe Biden in the U.S. Senate. President Joe Biden's big lie. The American people have seen through President Biden's big lie. He was in Pennsylvania the other day and he talked about the $3.5 trillion tax and spending spree. And he said the cost was zero, zero, zero. He actually said it three times. I would say, Mr. President, if the cost is zero, why are you having such a hard time getting people to vote for it? And a national poll has now shown that 64% of voters believe the president is actually not being truthful with him. It's conservatives, it's liberals, it's folks in the middle, across the board, the people do not believe the president of the United States because they know the costs are real. The costs are real in terms of higher taxes, which will hit everyone in America. Taxes, you're going to see more debt, which is going to undermine Social Security and Medicare. And of course, we're going to see higher prices, which people are getting hit with, with inflation, whether you buy gas or groceries, whether you want to heat your home or just pay for your housing, prices have gone up across the board significantly. So one of the things the president also said is, well, let's not talk about the numbers. But if you're a family trying to get by, you're someone living on a fixed income, you're a senior, the thing that you're talking about at the kitchen table are the numbers. The president talked about it during the presidential debate last time. 
So what happens at the kitchen table? Well, I'll tell you, Mr. President, what's happening at the kitchen table is people are not happy. They're falling behind in the Biden economy because of the way and the decisions that you're making. People are fed up, and they're fed up with being lied to. The best thing for this country would be an entire $3.5 trillion bill never becoming law. Three and a half trillion dollars. That's what's in the middle of this conversation that is being had. And when they finally put out the details of it, and you, you look at some of the details, I mean, just the little bit that I've been able to look at, and it's all lies. It's full of nothing but giveaways and paybacks. Stupid things that I would think if anybody had an int of integrity would never agree to even allow it to be considered, but it's just one after another, after another, after another. And you can almost see them running around the room thinking, yeah, 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 look what we're going to foist on the American people. They're never going to read it. Look what we're going to get out of this. Look what we're going to be able to do. Look at all the people, the bureaucrats that we're going to be able to buy with what we get out of this bill. That's exactly what's going on. That's the environment in which we find ourselves today. Don't think I'm nuts, folks. (laughs) I'm really not nuts. That's exactly the way we are today. Most voters today view President Biden as a weak commander-in-chief. Now, this is beyond the, uh, the economical stuff. This is about being the guy over all our military, the strongest military on the planet in the country, the strongest country on the planet. Most people think that President Biden is a weak commander-in-chief. Overall, the majority, 54%, said he's a weaker leader, followed by 24% who said he's stronger, and 15% said about the same, talking about our previous presidents in comparison. Want to look back a little bit? How about in June 2018, 40% of voters and a majority of those with military experience said Donald Trump was a stronger commander-in-chief of the military than most recent presidents, according to Rasmussen, who put that report out back then and put that this one out today I just referenced. Now, of course, opinions vary down party lines. An overwhelming majority of Republicans, 85%, say Biden is weaker. 58% of independents say it, however. 31% of his own party hold the same view. 43% of Democrats believe Biden is a stronger commander-in-chief. That's kind of some weak numbers, especially when you look at what we're going through as a nation, the problems that we have here. We really When those happen, the harder it gets, the tougher it gets. We're looking for real leadership. And to get real leadership out of a problem or a bunch of problems, you got to have a real leader. Americans aren't comfortable. This guy is. So why did they think this? Well, it all follows a series of mishandling in his first year. Crap. First year? What about his first day as president? From his failed withdrawal from Afghanistan to overreaching COVID mandates, rising food and gas prices, and this shortage 
the shortage, supply shortage in the United States for which he's done absolutely nothing. Yeah, Jen Psaki, before she got COVID, you know, double-vaxxed Jen Psaki, and she can't stay in at that uh, podium and give us her blather. Well, we've been working on that since day one in our administration. Well, heck, Jen, why don't you or Joe give us the roadmap, you know, the plan that you guys, y'all all worked out to get us out of this pending shortage of everything that you said you've been working on even before January 20th when Joe was inaugurated. This is November. Where's your freaking plan? There isn't one. In recent weeks, cheers of Let's Go Brandon, which we all know is code for saying F Joe Brandon, has permeated sports arenas and protests across the country. In fact, this past weekend, the one we just came through, football all across the nation, NFL and college games. If you watched any of the national broadcast coverage of these games, you didn't hear Let's Go Brandon. You heard the real version with the F word over and over and over again. Doesn't sound like Americans in mass really think our president is doing a good job or even can do a good job. So all of this, when you throw it all in together, it's a big reason why everybody's watching the governor's race in Virginia. Virginia is a very, very blue state, very democratic. Of course, Northern Virginia, you know, butts up right next to Washington, D.C. So many of the people that live in the northern part of Virginia, especially, are Democrats. So this really hotly contested gubernatorial race in Virginia, and with Glenn Youngkin, the Republican, former Democratic governor, two-time governor there, Terry McAuliffe tied in the polls, the professional left isn't leaving anything to chance. Now, what am I talking about? Well, a, a McAuliffe defeat is largely considered, if it happens, a bellwether for congressional Democrats in next year's midterms. So how do Democrats plan to ensure McAuliffe's going to win today and bring with it a subsequent retention of power in the state and then, of course, the U.S. Senate? Because it all flows downhill. By using the same tactic they used in the 2020 national contest. Profligate mail-in balloting, which they've done. Fake grassroots get-out-the-vote efforts for funding by philanthropies and wealthy leftists, which they've done. That strategy was revealed through Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg's gift to the Center for Tech and Civic Life, CTCL, which directly impacted voting turnout and maybe even mail-in ballot uh, filling it out and turning it in for supposed voters. And I guess that's a smart strategy. Biden voters were twice as likely as Trump voters to vote by mail in 2020, for example. And we know the effect of Zuckerberg's millions on the 2020 election. The Capital Research Center specializes in exposing the activists behind these kinds of efforts. Here's what we've discovered about the funding and activists behind them like getting out the vote for Democrats. Vote Forward is one, just one of the get out the vote groups swamping Virginians 
with a letter practically begging them to vote early. Here's what it says. Dear, and it's blank, I'm writing to urge you to vote in the upcoming Virginia general election on November 2nd. I wrote because I want an America that values the rights, dignity, and well-being of all people, because our future is in the hands of those we elect to represent us, and because every election is an opportunity to make our voices heard. Voting absentee by mail is safe and easy, the letter says. You can request your absentee ballot by mail, in person, at your local registrar's office, or even online at the official VA website. And they give the vote.elections.virginia.gov website. And the letter that went out earlier, obviously, said October 22nd is the very last day you can request your absentee ballot. Whether you choose to vote by mail or in person, make a plan now so you don't miss this chance to make your voice heard. Thank you for being a voter. A volunteer wrote and sent this letter via Vote Forward, a nonprofit organization that serves volunteers who want to help fellow Americans vote. That letter, the part right after the Dear Blank, I'm writing to urge you to vote in the upcoming Virginia general election, it's handwritten by somebody in Virginia, supposedly, And these letters all went out to people all across Virginia. Now, Vote Forward is ostensibly nonpartisan. It's a 501c3, which means it can't be directly involved in picking candidates to back. In other words, nonpartisan. Until you look at it, its original website from 2018, which reads this, Flip the House Blue. Send letters to unlikely voters. Elsewhere, the group admits it was founded to send get-out-the-vote mailers to traditionally underrepresented communities. That's code for Democrat-leaning constituencies. The New York, New York Times, no surprise, they praised Vote Forward's goal of boosting Democrat turnout just one week before the 2020 election. An old, frequently asked question states that many of its campaigns typically target low-propensity voters who we believe are likely to vote for Democrats when they do cast a ballot. Remember, not supposed to be political, supposed to be just nonpartisan. Get them out to vote. In 2020, their target for this kind of campaign was 10 million voters. To make that happen, Vote Forward sued the post office, accusing Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, who was a Trump nominee, of undermining post office ability to ensure the on-time delivery of mail ballots in 2020's election. And they settled it. The details of their settlement remain unclear, but USPS agreed to deliver mail-in ballots in time for Georgia's January special election, the result of which ultimately handed Democrats control of the Senate. Like many organizations that present themselves as being more interested in voting than election outcomes, Vote Forward is part of the left's voting machine, which is a massive web of interconnected GOTV nonprofits commanding tens of millions of dollars, mostly gifted by ultra-wealthy institutions 
like the Ford, the Gates, and the Rockefeller Foundations, and those various not-for-profits that are controlled by George Soros and Mark Zuckerberg. We trace more than $600,000 flowing to vote forward from the Hopewell Fund, which is part of a $731 million dark money network run by the consultancy Arabella Advisors in D.C. After watching this network for years, it's clear whether Arabella is involved, one is sure to find the left's top operatives as well. For example, Vote Forward's board of directors includes Ezra Reese, who is a partner at Perkins Coy, and its Mark Elias-led spinoff, the Elias Law Group, focused on electing Democrats, supporting voting rights, and helping progressives make change. That's a fact. That's what they say. But it's a fact you won't find that advertised on the nonpartisan group's website. Perkins Coy is the left's law firm of choice. Remember, Elias was general counsel to Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign in 2016 and a partisan operative whose past dealings include George Soros-funded efforts to abolish voter ID laws coast to coast. In September, it was reported a new wave of 2 million applications for Virginians to register for absentee ballots in 2021. These applications weren't sent out by state or local election offices. They were sent out by politically active nonprofits, the Voter Participation Center and Center for Voter Information, and internal memo details the spots they plan to cover most aggressively, most of which parallel Biden's performance in 2020. He beat Trump by 15 points in Virginia. The center explicitly targeted the new American majority, which is another code for likely Democrat voters that they define as young people, people of color, and unmarried women. That voting block contains 73% of all unregistered voters nationwide, which is why the left-wing strategist at the Democracy Alliance consider their turnout central to progressive long-term success. So where's the IRS in all this? Well, you know, 501c3, charitable organizations, they're not supposed to be political activists. They can only be nonpartisan if they get involved in politics anyway. The IRS requires all nonprofits be officially nonpartisan, and if you're not, you can't be tax-exempt. In other words, you can't go attract donations from people who are looking for tax-exemption donations. In the center's case, nonpartisanship comes in the shape of a fig leaf. As liberal journalist Sasha Eisenberg explains in a 2012 book, The Victory Lab, The Secret Science of Winning Campaigns, saying this, even though the group was officially nonpartisan for tax purposes, there was no secret. The goal of all its effort was to generate new votes for Democrats. The center sent out 15 million vote-by-mail applications in 2020, and they registered 4.6 million new voters. Time Magazine credits the center's partisan registration efforts as central to the, quote, shadow campaign 
that saved the 2020 election for Joe Biden. No surprise. No surprise at all that the center is heavily funded by the Service Employees International Union, SEIU. You know who they represent? Government workers, government employees. Also by the AFL-CIO, the Sierra Club, the League of Conservation Voters, and TIDES Foundation. We won't keep going, but Zuckerberg or the Zuckerberg Bucks going to continue? Yeah, they are. Virginia received close to $4 million in Zuck Bucks, more than one-third of which went to populous Fairfax County to support in-person early voting for the 2020 election and also vote by mail. Fairfax County was Biden's biggest vote hall in the state and is the linchpin to McAuliffe's strategy in this race. Nearly a million bucks paid for temporary staffing support to bolster Fairfax County's elections agency. That may sound kind of benign, but as the expert of the Zuckerberg not-for-profit that did so much on the local election level with money, an expert in their organization, Bill Doyle, wrote this, that funding supported the infiltration of election offices by paid Democratic Party activists. Now, what are you saying, Dan? Are the Democrats, does this mean that McCullough's going to win in Virginia at the end of the night, that he's going to be announced to be Virginia's next governor? I don't know that. I just know there's a lot of, at best, underhanded things that have been going on initiated by tens of millions of dark dollars, many of which are illegal. They're from these 501c3 corporations that aren't supposed to be out there supporting any one party or any one candidate or some other candidate. They're supposed to just be for getting the voting out, the people to vote. But that's not what is happening today. It's not what was happening in 2020 and probably not what was happening in 2016. I just kind of have this opinion that this whole thing is a ongoing living process that Democrats have watched their party membership dwindle away, not even dwindle slowly through the last decade, but go down, 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 because Americans did not like the fact that they were going so far left so rapidly especially and got so loud about it and in everybody's face and diminishing everybody who doesn't mirror their thought process regarding governing. And they panicked. What do you do when you panic? You go find ways to do what they're really good at, which is buying the favor and the support of other people. Now, who have the Democrats so famously targeted through the decades to use, especially as political ploy? African-Americans. Now, what do you mean, Dan? What are you talking about? They authored the Civil Rights Act, 1962. Yeah. Yeah, they, they authored it. They put it together, but you know they couldn't get it passed in Congress? There weren't enough Democrats that would support it. In fact, hardly any Democrats did. Lyndon Johnson, then president, had to go across the aisle and get Republicans to support it. And Republicans in large part, supported it 
even though it was full of egregious sections that have been chiefly responsible for the downfall of the African-American family in the United States because government money was tied to the fact it would pay single African-American moms. But if there was a man in the household, uh -uh uh-uh-uh. And look what has happened to the black family since the 1960s. Did you know that before 1962, there were more percentage-wise complete families, I'm talking about with a father, with a mother, or with a husband and wife, percentage of the African-American population in the United States, those whole family numbers were significantly higher than those numbers for Caucasian families. Did you know that? What changed? Follow the money. Follow the money. There's more money if you're an African-American There's more money if you're a woman to remain single. Don't get married. Don't have a man in the house with you, and Uncle Sam is going to pay you more money. That's horrible to say. It's not a racist thing. It really isn't. It's a factual thing. And it has been in place since 1962. The Democrats found out then we can effectively and successfully by the votes of people who we think by giving them money, they are perpetually obligated to support us and vote for our causes and vote to put us in office and keep us in office. That's what money can do. And that's what big money is doing. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. I know I should quit smoking. But it's just... My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. (coughs) I cough all the time. Seriously? I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. QuitYes.org. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now. 
or later, because these Staples Everyday Price Cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price Cuts, like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These Everyday Price Cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. I want to get to um, the two big pending bills that Democrats are leaking that they feel like they're going to get them at least to the floor so they can be debated and voted on this week. Talking about the infrastructure bill, Uh, that was approved, even had a significant number of senators on the U.S. Senate side of the the Capitol vote for it. It's been sitting on Nancy Pelosi's desk on the House of Representatives side for weeks and weeks and weeks because there's another bill, the big one, the big kahuna, $3.5 trillion Budget Reconciliation Act that she has been told by the far left in her party, led by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's a Democrat from uh, New York, that says, if you don't bring both of them to us at the same time so we can vote them up, in other words, vote for them and get them passed together, we're not going to vote for the infrastructure bill. And so that's been one of the conundrums. The other is, is that on the Senate side for the budget reconciliation bill, um, there are a couple of senators over there that are Democrats that are saying, wait a minute, we can't justify all this spending. The big one of the two, one is Kirsten Sinema, a um, U.S. senator from Arizona, and the big one, the one that's very contentious, that's considered to be moderate, so moderate that he's probably much closer to the Republican Party in many, many ways, is Joe Manchin, U.S. Senator and also former governor of West Virginia. Well, he's misquoted over and over and over again. People in the media, they say, here's what Joe Manchin thinks. And so he doesn't do it very often because I don't think he's a great orator. But yesterday he took to the microphone to set the media and everybody else straight about how he really feels about this and everything else that's happening in the U.S. Senate and in Congress. Here's Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia. I've heard a lot of the mischaracterizations of my position since the president met with the House Democrats last Thursday, and I would like to make an attempt to clear up any confusion about where I stand on the legislation that's working its way through Congress. In all of my years of public service, and I've been around for a long time, I've never seen anything like this. The President of the United States has addressed the House Democratic Caucus twice recently to urge action on the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which sometimes we refer to as the BIF bill. Last week, the Speaker urged, Speaker Pelosi urged the importance of voting and passing the BIF bill before the President took the world stage overseas and still no action. In my view, this is not how the United States Congress should operate or, in my view, has operated in the past. The political games have to stop. Twice now, the House has balked at the opportunity to send the BIF legislation to the President. As you've heard, there are some House Democrats who say they can't support this infrastructure package 
until they get my commitment on the reconciliation legislation. It is time to vote on the BIF bill, up or down, and then go home and explain to your constituents the decision you made. And I've always said, if I can't go home and explain it, I can't vote for it, and if I can, I, I will. I've worked in good faith for three months, for the past three months, with President Biden, Leader Schumer, Speaker Pelosi, and my colleagues on the reconciliation bill, and I will continue to do so. For the sake of the country, I urge the House to vote and pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Holding this bill hostage is not going to work in getting my support for recon reconciliation bill. Throughout the last three months, I've been straightforward about my con concerns that I will not support a reconciliation package that expands social programs and irresponsibly adds to our $29 trillion in national debt that no one seems to really care about or even talk about. Nor will I support a package that risks hurting American families suffering from historic inflation. Simply put, I will not support a bill that is this consequential without thoroughly understanding the impact that it will have on our national debt, our economy, and most importantly, all of our American people. Every elected representative needs to know what they are voting for and the impact it has, not only on their constituents, but the entire country. That is why we must allow time for complete transparency and analysis on the impact of changes to our tax code and energy and climate policies to ensure that our country is well positioned to remain the superpower of the world while we inspire the rest of the world towards a cleaner environment. And this all can be done. I, for one, won't support a multi-trillion dollar bill without greater clarity about why Congress chooses to ignore the serious effects of inflation and debt that have on our economy and existing government programs. For example, how can I in good conscience vote for a bill that proposes massive expansion to social programs when vital programs like Social Security and Medicare face insolvency and benefits could start being reduced as soon as 2026 in Medicare and 2033 in Social Security? How does that make sense? And I don't think it does. Meanwhile, elected leaders continue to ignore exploding inflation, that our national debt continues to grow, and interest payments on the debt will start to rapidly increase when the Fed has to start raising interest rates to try to slow down this runaway inflation. With the factors in mind, and all of these factors that we've spoken about, I've worked in good faith for months with all of my colleagues to find a middle ground on a fiscally, and I, report, re I repeat that, a fiscally responsible piece of legislation that fixes the flaws of the 2017 Trump tax bill that I thought was weighted far, far too far for the high-end earners and the needs of the American families and children. However, as more of the real details outline the basic framework are released, what I see are shell games, budget gimmicks that make the real cost of the so-called $1.75 trillion bill estimated to be almost twice that amount if the full time is run out, if you extended it permanently, and that we haven't even spoken about. This is a recipe for economic crisis. None of us should ever misrepresent to the American people what the real cost of legislation is. While I've worked hard to find a path to compromise, it's obvious compromise is not good enough for a lot of my colleagues in Congress. It's all or nothing, and their position doesn't seem to change unless we agree to everything. Enough is enough. 
It's time our elected leaders in Washington, all of us, stop playing games with the needs of the American people and holding a critical infrastructure bill hostage. While there is opportunity in the reconciliation of bill that we can all agree on, and we've been talking about this for months. Again, to be clear, I will not support the reconciliation legislation without knowing how the bill will impact our debt and our economy and our country. And we won't know that until we work through the text. For the sake of our country, I, again, and I am urging all of my colleagues in the House to vote and pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill. It's bipartisan, 69 votes. We worked on that for many, many months. As I've said before, holding that bill hostage is not going to work to get my support of what you want. It's what we should all agree on and work through the process. I'm open to supporting a final bill that helps move our country forward, but I'm equally open to voting against a bill that hurts our country. And I've been very clear about that also. And most importantly, hurts every American. Let's work together, and I mean that. Let's all work together on getting a sensible reconciliation package a package that really strengthens our nation and makes us better and leads the world. I'm not going to negotiate in public on this because I've been dealing in good faith and I will continue to deal in good faith with all of my colleagues on both sides. It's time to pass the bill and quit playing games. It sounded almost like a Biden press briefing after uh, Joe Manchin quit talking there. The media starts screaming out questions. I, I think you could catch from the tenor that it's very contentious right now in Congress, probably more so than he's seen in his career serving as a U.S. senator, maybe not when he was a governor, but certainly as a U.S. senator. The object of having people up there is to sit down and have conversations and not make decisions based upon what the lobbyists think. You know, those people that set up those great junkets and yeah, we can find this relative of yours and that one jobs, and maybe we can work with the university like Princeton or Harvard and find ways to get some financial assistance for your grandson or your nephew or whatever. Don't think that doesn't happen. That goes on every day. And the whole object is to get politicians obligated, to feel obligated, so that if ever, whenever it happens that there's a piece of legislation that uh, one of the companies or one of the institutions that these lobbyists represent needs or wants something to get done or something else blocked, that they know they can go to this lobbyist. Why? Because the lobbyist has got something over on a politician that owes them a favor. That's the black belly of U.S. politics, and it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I can't imagine how much is in the 2,000 pages of this $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill, 2,000 pages, how much of the content is based solely on quid pro quo obligations that Democrats have to people that have given them money Campaign dollars in many cases, in other cases, giving them opportunities. You know, those things like, why does every member of Congress, almost without exception, go to Washington, D.C. the first time? Maybe average income Americans. There are some that are wealthy, but very few percentage-wise. But then when every one of them leaves office later, years later, they're multimillionaires. How does that happen? You know how it happens. Everyone knows how it happens. Opportunities. 
inside information. In fact, Nancy Pelosi and her husband Paul, so much so, Congress passed what they call the Pelosi Rule, which prohibits insider information being used by any member of Congress to make money. You would think that there would be some honesty up there that would float around the halls of Congress. It doesn't happen, folks. There's just not that much up there. When when I hear people like Joe Manchin, who's a Democrat of all people, when I hear him come out and say, I'm going to vote my conscience. I am not going to be pushed this way or that way for political purposes. I represent the people of Virginia, West Virginia, and I'm going to vote according to what those people want me to do that sent me to the United States Senate. Novel idea. Let the people, let the government be of, by, and for the people instead of of, by, and for the politicians. There's another guy on the other side of the of the Capitol from the Senate side. Another guy, Steve Scalise, out of my state, out of greater New Orleans. He's a member of the House of Representatives. He's in Republican leadership there. And yesterday, he was on Fox News Business Network, Mornings with Maria, Maria Bartiromo. And yesterday, when he was on the show, he said that voters are furious with all of this spending. Joe Manchin just alluded to it. Democrats are trying to push all this through as part of Biden's so-called Build Back Better agenda. Scalise told Maria that not only are Americans upset with the spending, They're already tired of all the inflation from the Biden administration spending. It started day one, folks. I I say this over and over again. Election day, November 3rd, 2020. I paid a buck 65 a gallon for gas. Yesterday, I went and gassed up again, and I paid right at $3 a gallon at the same station. Why is that? It's not because of anything our foreign adversaries have done. It's because of things exclusively that Joe Biden has done. We won't get into it. You know what they are. Scalise said tomorrow will represent the sixth different time that Nancy Pelosi promised to vote on this budget reconciliation bill. I still think, like the other five, they're going to blow by because they don't have the votes. And if you look, the Democrats in D.C. right now have an insatiable appetite to spend trillions and trillions of dollars of more money. But what they're seeing is the voters are revolting against all of this big government socialism because it's the leader of inflation. People are tired of the inflation already. He said, I think they have got real trouble getting the votes because they really don't have a package to rally around. The far-left progressive socialists are running the show. But they're not getting everything they want because Democrats in swing districts are realizing if they vote for this, they can't go back home and explain it on top of the trillions already in spending they've already voted for because their voters are furious with all of the spending because they know that's what's driving inflation. And it's true, folks. Inflation's going through the roof. I am waiting for somebody in our economic advisory institutions, whoever they are out there. We hear from them all when, whenever whatever party is in 
power want to start talking about it publicly, they'll go get these experts to say, look what a great job we're doing with our economy. And then the economists say, well, yeah, here's this, 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 and this. But they don't want them to come around and talk publicly when it's bleak. You're not seeing any of these economists out there painting a rosy picture of our economy, are you? What that means to me is it must be much worse than I even think it is. Wow. Well, as you probably know, today's the big day. Actually, yesterday was the deadline for many folks, many municipal workers in cities around the country, and even some private corporations workers to be vaccinated, fully vaccinated, or at least the first part of a vaccination in the two-dose Moderna and Pfizer shots. What's happening on that front? I mean, we're going to look at some numbers. These numbers are going to blow your mind, the percentages and the gross numbers of people that are saying, I am not going to be vaccinated even if it costs me my job. Got the numbers, some information from around the country on that front. Right after this, at TNN Live, Truth News Network. The truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN. The Truth News Network. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar. Or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Is the insanity making your head spin? Okay, let's sit down and figure this out together. Again, Dan Newman. But here's the problem. Pete, when we sit down and we go to figure it out, we find out that it's not only bad, it's actually worse than we first thought because we're not getting all of the facts until there's no longer any way for the facts to be hidden from us. And it's like, okay, oh well, well, we've been hiding this from you, but here are the facts, like this one, the latest one up in up in New York. Did you know about 9,000 New York City municipal workers were put, after work yesterday at 5 o'clock, were put on unpaid leave? 9,000 folks for refusing to comply with the COVID vaccine mandate that took effect Monday. Thousands of city firefighters have called out sick in an apparent protest over the requirement. About 90% of city workers covered by the mandate have already been vaccinated. 
There have been no disruptions to city services so far as a result of staffing shortages. Now, that's according to the mayor. Now, in the context of how many workers there are, city employees, there are more than 300,000. Firehouses around Manhattan remained open, but 18 of the department's 350 units are classified as out of service. That's 18 of 350. Now, each of those 18 firehouses serves particular parts of Manhattan. In addition to those, many units are understaffed. That's according to Fire Commissioner Daniel Negro. Sanitation workers made an extra pickup on Sunday to make sure trash wouldn't pile up, the mayor said. I want to thank everyone who got vaccinated, de Blasio spoke. Thank you for getting vaccinated. Thank you for doing the right thing. Thank you for moving us forward. So city officials in Manhattan, they've been battling a lot of resistance among what is considered to be a minority of workers in some critical public safety jobs, like the cops and the firemen as well as a pending legal challenge to de Blasio's mandate by the city's largest police union. As of Sunday, one in four of the city's uniformed firefighters still hasn't got a first dose of a vaccine. One of four, 25%. About one in six police personnel and one in six sanitation workers are still unvaccinated. Police Commissioner Dermot Shea said the vast majority of the unvaxxed workers in his department have applied for religious or medical exemptions to the vaccine mandate. So far, just 34 cops and 40 civilian police employees have been placed on unpaid leave. More than 3,500 city workers were vaxxed over the weekend. That was after a 5 p.m. Friday deadline to collect a $500 bonus for showing proof They got a dose of the vaccine, but it was before they were to be put on unpaid leave. About 12,000 workers have applied for religious and medical exemptions. They can remain on the job while city officials review each of those applications. 2,300 firefighters were out sick. That's up from what's normally about 1,000 a day, so it's more than doubled. The commissioner said that appears to be a protest against the vaccine mandate, you think? The fire department's medical office normally sees about 200 people a day. The past week, it's been 700 a day. So that's just one city, just one city. Overall in the city, 22,000 municipal workers are unvaxxed. 22,000. And then there's the military. Listen to this, folks. The Air Force yesterday booted 40 unvaccinated recruits that were in boot camp. They just kicked them out because they refused to comply with the Biden administration's COVID-19 vaccine mandate, which doesn't exist. By the way, I keep reminding people that there is no mandate. He said he was going to issue, not him, but through... OSHA, they're the ones that control for the federal government everything to do with employment around the nation. They're the ones he said would have to issue this mandate, but they're going to do it, and here's what it's going to be. If you are a federal employee, you're going to have to be vaxxed, period. If you're a private employer and you, you, you have more than 100 employees, 
everybody's got to be vaccinated. There's no mandate. There's not even a draft, which OSHA normally, when they're considering any kind of regulation or mandate, they'll put out drafts for people to look at to make recommendations, consider and suggest changes, and then usually in six to nine months, it becomes a rule. There's no draft. We can't find even anybody that's talking about the terms, the language of a proposed vaccine mandate. Hmm. What's going on? It can only be one of two things. They're having trouble finding legal support and putting the right language together so that it will pass muster with the U.S. Supreme Court, which is where any vaccine mandate by the federal government's going to go. It's either that or there never has been in any intention or any plan to actually put a written vaccine mandate in place. Why would they even think about that, Dan? They don't want to go through the political war that's going to happen if they do this. And so look at what has happened since Joe Biden last month. Actually, in late uh, September, he came out and said, this is going to happen. We're going to do this. Millions of Americans said, after all, I'm going to have to get it then, so I'll just go ahead and get vaccinated now. Their intention has been to get more people vaccinated, and it's worked without having to fight all the nastiness that they're going to go through and the lawsuits are going to go through if they do it. So the Air Force boots 40 out of boot camp yesterday. What about our active military? Have you thought about that? What, how is this going to impact? What are the numbers there? We have 300,000 men and women that are on active duty assignments around the world. Members of various branches of our U.S. military, 300,000. 4% of the 300,000 are out of work today. They've been kicked out. They've been put on notice. Unvaxxed, get out of here. You can't be here. You're getting kicked out of the military. Now, 4% doesn't sound like much, folks. That's 12,000 people, 12,000 members of our military. They're gone just simply because they don't want to be vaccinated. Wow. Wow. It's absolutely crazy. And New York seems to be the epicenter of it. Bill de Blasio, far-left governor, socialist. He's not a governor. He's a governor wannabe. He wants to run for office, run for the governorship in New York State. Um, Very little chance he's going to get elected there because he is not considered highly by New Yorkers. Remember, he ran for president. You remember that? He ran for president against Joe Biden and other Democrats seeking the Democrat Party nomination, he couldn't get any support out of his own state, certainly not out of his own city. Representative, U.S. Representative Elise Stefanik from New York, she sounded an alarm yesterday over this city worker deadline, COVID-19 vaccine. And um, it's going to cause New York City to suffer from a shortage of firefighters and EMS workers, she said. During Fox News Channel's America's Newsroom yesterday, the representative Stefanik called the mandate unconstitutional, cautioned that forcing first responders out of their jobs makes New York less safe. 
It's not going to work, she said, of the mandate's effect on the shortage of first responders. New York has already faced a crime crisis this past year. When we think about the frontline workers, the first responders who put their lives and health on the line serving New Yorkers during COVID, now we're going to penalize them when we already have historic numbers of retirements because of the pandemic and the proposed vaccine mandates. There was news about the number of fire departments that are not able to respond in the same timely fashion than they typically would be. Certain fire department companies are closing in New York City. And she repeated, vaccine mandates are unconstitutional, yet to be determined. Yet to be determined. And that is in New York. It's just, and we can go city by city, uh, state by state, and give you examples like these and others where, folks, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And people don't know what to do. We've never had a government in this country that would, from top down, get militant and in our faces. And I'll refer back to the story at truthnewsnet.org today. Kelly Nelson, again, our historian that is amazing at what she brings up. There are, it's scary. You'll have the hair on the back of your neck stand up when you read the historical relations between what happened and the ramp up to World War II, what happened to the ramp up of real fascism that started in Italy, went across the border into Germany, and Adolf Hitler turned it into far-left Nazism. The similarities between that entire process from beginning to end and how it unfolded there and how what's happening here are almost identical. Wow. And the other big thing that nobody's explaining and apparently nobody's doing anything about and we know it's out there and it's a huge deal, it it, it takes us getting into the Christmas season before anybody's willing to talk about it seriously and it's a shortage of everything. Shortage of everything. I got to tell you, I'm going to admit, I went and bought a bunch of uh, toilet paper and paper towels several weeks ago to stock up at our house so that just in case, we're not going to be without. And we're looking at and making plans and doing some little bit at a time, putting stuff together for food and stuff like that just in case. Not stuff that's going to spoil, but just in case. And, of course, you never think all the way through it and get it all done. So what is what is going to happen if we don't get this distribution process, this shortage, supply shortage taken care of? What's going to happen? Steve Forbes He's a multimillionaire. His dad, Malcolm Ford, was a Forbes was a billionaire and started Forbes magazine. He had an interesting perspective yesterday. Here's Steve's Ford talking about the supply shortages and what could happen. Shortages are getting more acute. Shoppers increasingly see empty shelves and are starting to do anticipatory buying lest they not be able to get essentials, such as toilet paper. We're being advised not to delay buying Christmas presents or he might end up being involuntary Grinches. Despite happy talk from the Federal Reserve earlier this year, pricing pressures are worsening. Wages are going up nicely, but the cost of living is rising even faster. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen now says inflation won't abate until the second half of next year. Biden's chief of staff didn't help matters, 
by endorsing a tweak that said higher prices and shortages are a sign of prosperity. Incredibly, the White House didn't back off. President Biden, on that disastrous CNN town hall, had no answer about surging gasoline prices or the backed-up freight on the West Coast. Voters are angry. The president's approval rating among independents has plummeted and is now below 30 percent. Unfortunately, ideas are being brooded about that would infinitely worsen the situation, such as capping gasoline and heating fuel prices, issuing diktats to retailers that would limit the amounts of scarce products consumers would be allowed to buy. That will be followed by formal price controls. And we can expect the age-old ugly response of desperate politicians scapegoating. That is, publicly shaming of individuals and companies as profiteers and turning a blind eye to assaults on dissenting people and politicians. Want angry activists accompanying you to the restroom? Some observers say we're in an era of shortages. A Washington Post column declared, quote, time for some new, more realistic expectations, end of quote. Nonsense. These problems are a result of bad policies, which can be promptly corrected. Encourage productive investment by abandoning new taxes and programs that disrupt labor markets. Stop the Federal Reserve's money printing. Stop the war on oil and gas production. Stop imposing new regulations, which especially hurt small businesses. No frightening new powers for the IRS and repeal that unconstitutional executive order regarding the vaccine. Persuasion is the better approach instead of firing up resistance. Moreover, tens of millions of people already are immune from having the disease. Biden's decree here is leading to the unnecessary firing of hundreds of thousands of needed workers. As for supply chains, we're perhaps beginning to grasp how unimaginably complex they are. You can't shut down the global economy and then turn it back on like a light switch, particularly as recovery from the pandemic has hardly been uniform from country to country. Instead, remove barriers, such as the idiot trucking and chassis regulations in Los Angeles and Long Beach that are the key reason for a catastrophic backlog of freight there. I got to tell Steve this. If he thinks this administration or any, any Democrat administration is going to reduce regulations, government regulations on anything. He's smoking something illegal. Well, maybe it's not illegal in New York or Connecticut where he lives and works, I guess. But anyway, uh, this supply chain shortage, it's not going to be regulated out of existence. It's going to be there, and it is there, and it's not going to change. There, I, I just can't believe this. Of everything that is happening in the Biden administration that just blows my mind, I cannot understand how they could even allow or even think about not doing anything and everything necessary to stop, to interject themselves into the midst of the supply chain shortages when they entered power as an administration back in January of this year to straighten out, to find the answers and to bring all the people together that are necessary to stop this thing and ramp it up. They've done nothing. They've done nothing. You can't regulate that away, Mr. Biden. You can't. You can't allow your transportation secretary to take a three-month paid paternity leave, not tell anybody, 
when in the middle of all of this, we have the continuation of this shortage that is everywhere and it's about everything and the guy in your government that's supposed to be managing us out of that is not even working for 90 days? I shouldn't be surprised when this kind of stuff happens, but I got to be honest with you. I am in this case. I think even Uncle Joe, with his cognitive inability to grasp everything in a timely fashion at least, I was certain in all of that that they were working on something significant to stop this problem, but it's still there. It's still there. Hey, I want to thank everybody that comes here every day. We 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 monitor some of the um, the areas on our the website of the broadcast company out of Seattle that shoots this out around the world, and we're able to monitor the countries and the cities in the U.S. and places like Canada where people are listening in. I just noticed we have a big pocket of folks in uh, in uh, southern parts of Wyoming. Uh, but we've got people in Cheyenne, Wyoming that are listening in today. And I want to say hello to everybody. I, I'm appreciative of everybody from everywhere that, that listens in here. It gives us a sense of maybe we're on the right path when we try to find things and bring things to people that are important. And we don't paint them from a specific political perspective. We're all about the truth. And we've learned a long time ago, and we preach this here for everybody. Just because you think something's right doesn't necessarily mean it is right. It might be, but it might not be. And the flip side of that's true. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. So how do you do this? How do you work through this process? You look at both sides, and you come up with both possibilities, and then you use facts to determine which is the one you need to embrace. And we thank everybody for being here. We're not done yet, folks. Oh, my gosh, we're not done yet. We've got something we have to talk to you about that is really important, and it has to do with one of those new members of the hard left, Representative Cori Bush out of Missouri, and what she had to say about Joe Biden and his position. Joe Biden, who you just heard from minutes ago, explaining his positions about his resistance to just buy off on this $3.5 trillion boondoggle that the Democrats are trying to shove down the throats of Americans. Corey Bush is up next. Look, we know that boy's going to ask again, so let's be ready. Fine, I'll be him. You ready? Ready. Mom, could you hook me up with a GoPhone? You'll run up the bill, son. Yo, that's whack, moms. GoPhone is totally different. What? It'll only cost me an arm? Chillax. It has unlimited talk and text. Seriously? Word. Okay, we'll get a GoPhone. Really? Uh, really? That is the bomb. Do you even know what the bomb means? Yes. No. Go phone. Only from AT&T. With unlimited talk to 65 million wireless AT&T customers and now unlimited text to anyone on any network. AT&T. Your world delivered. American ladders and scaffolds. Deal with the experts. Scaffolding rental and setup. Installation of truck racks, Lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection, ladder and scaffold training and inspections, little giant ladders, custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds, delivery everywhere, every day. American Ladders and Scaffolds, we take you higher, we take you higher. This is the sound of regular water droplets. 
This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&Ms. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&Ms. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. The voice we need more than ever. Dan Newman. TNN. The Truth News Network. You know what? I really love the United States of America. And I love what it stands for. I love what it's been to me in my life. 68 years so far, and I'm still getting after it. And because of that, I just have a problem digesting some of the nastiness that comes from people who have been elected to represent Americans in Congress. Representative Cori Bush, I don't know her personally. She's a Democrat from Missouri. And uh, she just blasted Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, yesterday about this $1.75 trillion Build Back Better Act that Manchin just explained to us, you heard about five minutes of his explanation to the public from yesterday, about why he just can't benignly sign in and and just accept the whole bill when it's full of stuff that's not going to be good for people. So because of that, Bush said this about Joe Manchin and his feelings. They are, quote, his feelings, anti-black, anti-child, anti-woman, and anti immigrant. She said she doesn't trust his beliefs in what America needs in this mammoth Build Back Better Act. She said this, quote, I trust the scientists who have shown us what our future will look like if we fail to meaningly address the climate crisis. I trust the patients and doctors crying out for comprehensive health coverage for every person in America. And she added, When I promised St. Louis a historic investment in kids, in our seniors, in housing, in schools, I said that I would do everything I can to actually deliver change that our community can feel. Joe Manchin's opposition, she said, to the Build Back Better Act is anti-black, anti-child, anti-woman, and anti-immigrant. When we talk about transformative change, We're talking about a bill that will benefit black, brown, and indigenous communities. Those same communities are overwhelmingly excluded from the bipartisan infrastructure bill. We can't leave anyone behind. Senator Manchin must support the Build Back Better Act, she added. This is from the same woman that has physically threatened harm, screaming and hollering, about anybody who opposes her politically. And oh, by the way, I'm sure when she was out casting her net for campaign contributions in a run to run for congresswoman from St. Louis, Missouri, she didn't bother to tell those people that wrote those checks 
that she was going to use $100,000 this last year of those campaign dollars for her own personal security, hiring armed guards to protect her while she's out on the campaign trail talking about we've got to defund the cops. So how does that... um, How does that get reconciled by people that support her? I mean, let's face it. Most of us can't afford private security. We rely on the cops. Novel idea, huh? And of course, people like Cori Bush, they will automatically tell you, well, it's because you're white and you don't have the problems with law enforcement that African-American people do. I get that. I have an African-American nephew And uh, he happens to be in law enforcement, and I've watched what he's dealt with, even as a cop in a southern city. I can only imagine. I know it's there. I know it's real, and I can't say I understand because I don't. I've seen enough of it that I do know. There still is racism in America. But you know what? Demeaning everybody that's of a different skin color. I don't care which color you are. That doesn't solve a thing. That doesn't prove a thing. It doesn't give anybody any truth. And novel idea. How about leaders of every ilk at every level, in every type of government, in every type of institution, every business, every not-for-profit? How about not running whatever it is you're running based totally beginning and ending at someone's skin color, including your own? Why not just be honest? Why not just be truthful? Why not just be supportive, finding ways, looking at differences with others, and instead of just blasting them and thinking they're evil and stopping any communication right there, instead of doing that, why not sit down and find some ways that you can agree with and find some consensus That's the way United States Congress has always worked. It was structured to work that way, and in large part for most of our 260 years, it has. But of late, folks, I don't know. I mean, everybody, everybody it seems like up there says on everything, every issue, it's my way or it's the highway. So I wanted to touch base on a new story that popped out overnight. It's about this OSHA Uh, emergency workplace vaccination mandate that is looming. Um, 80 million private workers face get a jab or lose your job decision because of this quote-unquote federal mandate that's pending that OSHA has fast-tracked under rarely used special emergency powers. So the Department of Labor's pledge on Monday to publish that emergency temporary standard on COVID vaccine mandates in coming days, they said. It threatens to worsen the skewed picture that federal regulators have been getting from employers for five months now. OSHA abruptly reversed its directive to employers this spring on how to handle adverse reactions to COVID vaccines among members of their workforce. You didn't even know OSHA logged in on this, the adverse reactions to vaccines. After all, Anthony Fauci won't talk about them. Its frequently asked question page originally told them, OSHA's page, told them to report adverse reactions that are work-related, new, 
and cause missed or restricted work, transfers, or medical treatment beyond first aid. The work-related prong automatically applied to the employers who required employees to get vaccinated. While employers who only recommend vaccination to employees didn't have to report any of these adverse reactions, the vaccine must be truly voluntary with no repercussions to employees who choose against vaccination. OSHA cited a federal regulation known as Part 1904, which requires employers to record and report work-related fatalities, injuries, and illnesses. You know where this is going now. Well, guess what? Those directions disappeared May the 21st and haven't returned. It's remained unchanged ever since, telling employers now that enforcement is suspended at least through May of next year, at which point OSHA's going to reevaluate. Because the Department of Labor and OSHA are working diligently to encourage COVID vaccinations, OSHA is avoiding any appearance of discouraging workers from vaccination or disincentivizing employers' vaccination efforts, the revised FAQ page says. Therefore, it will not enforce Part 1904 at all in the context of COVID vaccines. You know what's at the seat of this. It has nothing to do with it being good or bad. It has to do with employers who force employees to get vaccinated are on, are on the line legally. They, the employers, are responsible as it being a work-related injury on the job if they have a severe adverse reaction to the mandatory vaccines. And these companies are quietly pushing back to the federal government saying, you got to help us out of this. Very little fact. (laughs) And this is just the beginning. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for sharing this. Spread it around. Tell folks how to get here. And, of course, anytime, we'd love to hear from you. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. And, of course, any day, feel free to call in. If you want to get any one of these shows in their entirety, after the show, shortly after the show, you can go to Today's Story by Kelly Nelson at truthnewsnet.org. Down at the bottom, you'll see in bold red letters a link. And it's got a big arrow at the end of it. You click on that arrow, and it will take you right to this show in its entirety. You can download it or listen to it there live, no cost at all. Later, or any previous show, if you want it, you can go to Apple Podcast or Spotify Podcast, and in the search bar, put TNN Live. Do that, and you'll get every day's show. Thank you so much for being a part of this. You have a great Tuesday. I'm excited about getting back together tomorrow, Wednesday. We'll see you then. Have a great day and know the best is yet to come. See you tomorrow, folks.